Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. We're continuing on in our series through Titus. Um, we've seen uh, Paul introduce this letter uh, to Titus, uh, giving a glorious picture of, of who he was and who he understood himself to be under God. We uh, looked at the qualifications for pastors. Um, and, and last week, we looked at uh, Paul's admonition to Titus that he was to um, stand up against false teachers there. Uh, he was to particularly stand up and silence those who were of the circumcision party, those who were legalists who were trying to add to the gospel. Well, tonight, um, we're going to be looking at uh, a continuation of what Titus is supposed to do. Paul here gives an instruction that Titus is supposed to teach what accords with sound doctrine. Notice he he doesn't say teach sound doctrine. Now that is something he's supposed to teach as well. And in fact it says that able to give instruction in sound doctrine at the end of the qualifications for pastors. But here he's saying teach what accords with sound doctrine. One of the things that we see in the pastoral epistles, that's 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus, one of the things we see is the connection between right doctrine and right living. For Paul... For Titus and Timothy, and for us, uh, right doctrine should produce right living. And if we see an error in living, in in the manner of life, it could be a sign that there is um, uh, false teaching. So the the right living and right doctrine are connected for for Paul and, and, and for us. Let's, uh, let's read what it has to say here in uh, Titus chapter 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine, They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bondservants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative. 
not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of our God, of God our Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Help us uh, to make application to our lives. Lord, speak to our hearts. And Lord, be with me. I need your grace to preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul starts out giving instructions again to Titus. He says, as for you, in contrast to these false teachers, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Not to be like those false teachers. Not to be teaching a works righteousness. We're going to look at this list of things that Paul is telling Titus that he is to teach these people, this congregation to do. And it almost might get the idea that that Paul is, is advocating the opposite of what he just said in the previous chapter. The last chapter, it was very much about, it's, it's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus period, right? It's believe the gospel and He changes us. So, this life that accords with godliness, this, this accordance with godliness, with, with uh, do, the, uh, what He's supposed to teach that accords with sound doctrine, is... It's not a works righteousness, but it is a life that is characterized by good works, and, and particularly self-control we see in all of these cases. And he, he zones in on each different area. He talks about older men, older women, younger women, and then younger men, and then finally he talks to slaves. We'll look at what he says to the older men. Older men are to be Sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. First of all, the older men are to be sober-minded. The word there, it has the idea of being sober, not drunk. Um, We need to be clear thinking, able to to not... not, uh, Hard for me to even describe right now. Not uh, given to uh, excesses, um, but sober, serious, dignified. Not a childish kind of behavior, but but uh, dignified and self-controlled. This is in all of these different areas. Um, uh, and older men are to be self-controlled. We, um, we all battle with self-control, don't we? That is, that is something that each one of us has to grow in. Um, in Romans chapter 8, um, it talks about the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And we are to, to put to death the deeds of the body by the spirit. Uh, this is a battle ultimately for self-control. And our weapon is the Holy Spirit. It's not some kind of a 
bare-knuckled self-control by our own willpower, but it's by the Spirit's empowerment that we're able to be self-controlled. Sound in faith. Having a, a, a healthy faith, not someone who's doubting and wavering, but they're sound in faith. In love. A real Love. You can tell just from being around someone that they really genuinely love. And in steadfastness or patience. Then he moves on to the older women. Older women, likewise, just like the older men, the older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior. This word for reverent, uh, it, it has, in the Greek, it has the word for temple built into the word. So it's behavior that is uh, in accordance with the way you would behave in the temple. Reverent. Um, it, it, it's recognizing that all of our life we live out before God. That He looks down upon us and He sees us and He sees everything we do. And for that reason we are to be reverent in behavior. Not slanderers. The word there for slanderers is actually the word diabolos, or devil. Um, The connection there, Satan was an accuser, wasn't he? Uh, The word Satan, the the word devil, it, it means to accuse. And so, when it says not to be slanderous, it's saying not to be like the devil, but, but to, um, to speak what is righteous and, and wholesome. Um, not to be accusing the brethren like Satan does, who accuses us and he reminds us of where we have fallen. Not slanderers, not slaves of much wine. Again, that's similar to what is commanded of the older men. Not that they are to be sober-minded. And likewise, the women are to be not given to much wine, but to be, uh, that's part of the self-control, not to be under the influence of some substance or drink. They are to be able to teach what is good. There's a teaching component here for the women. And it tells us who they're to teach. It says that the older women are to be able to teach what is good and so train young, the young women to love their husbands and children. There, there's a relationship there. The older women are to teach the younger women. And I think likewise we'll see that the older men should teach the younger men. There, there's a discipleship component here. Just, I, I've said before, each one of us, each believer needs to have a, like a Paul and a Timothy in their life. Someone who you're learning from and someone who you're teaching along the way. And here we see the same kind of pattern lived out. Uh, the older women were to teach the younger women. I think the older men should teach the younger men. And passing on the faith, passing the baton to another generation. It says they're to teach their the younger women to love their husbands. You know, that you would think that that comes natural, but no, it doesn't, does it? 
<laughs> it doesn't come natural. When we, when we think of uh, romantic movies or something like that, uh, it seems like love just, it just comes natural, but it's not the way it is. We need people to teach us. We need people to speak into our lives and show us how we can better love one another. That's one of the things Paul here says that Titus is to teach the older women to do. Tell them to show the younger women how they can love their husbands and their children better. Then, um, I'm going to need to get a larger print Bible for here. I'm having a hard time seeing then it says to be self-controlled. Again, uh, that's been named in each one of these cases, from the older men to the younger, to the older women to the younger women. Now, to be self-controlled, pure, uh, living a, a life that is faithful, faithful to their husbands, um, working at home. You know, I could get in a lot of trouble with talking about this one, couldn't I? Today, uh, I think. Uh, uh, at, at least the uh, the agenda of uh, of a feminism, uh, the secular feminism is is one that uh, they look down on someone who works at home, and uh, they think that every woman should be out in the marketplace. And you know, I'm not against a woman bringing in an income. The the, the uh, uh, Proverbs 31 was talking about a woman who who she brought in an income for her home. Uh, but but here, one of the things that the older women are to teach the younger women are to be workers, to be good workers in their homes. Kind and submissive to their own husbands. That's not something that comes easy either, is it? It's not something. Because each one of us has our own will and we have our own desires and we don't like to submit to someone else. Yet we see in the scriptures, then this goes right in the face of what our society tells us today. But according to the scriptures, God designed the family, He designed the home with an authority structure. Um, Now that has been abused. Uh, We see in the curse there in Genesis chapter 3, whenever uh, God pronounces the curse upon the snake, and then He speaks to Eve and He says, Your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. So what ends up now, ever since Genesis 3, you have women who will seek for control and try to subvert the authority that God had put their husbands in. And at the same time, you see men who rule over their wives in a a demeaning way. You see abusive husbands. Or another way, it may not be quite so obvious, but passive husbands who refuse to lead their families. Here, Paul tells Titus one of the things that the the older women are to teach the younger women is to be submissive to their own husbands. And and, uh, once again, that their own husbands is important here. It's not saying women be submissive to men. It's saying to be submissive to their own husbands. It's within the family structure here. Then, He gives a reason. Why should Titus teach these things? Why do we need to be self-controlled? Why should the older women teach the younger women all these things? He gives a reason here. And it says, That the word 
of God may not be reviled. This makes the gospel attractive. Now, in our society today, you might think, what are you talking about? People revile that. But it is a good thing. It is a wholesome thing. Um, It goes against the grain of our culture. God is calling us to it. Likewise, verse 6, Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. That's been the case for each one of these categories. To be self-controlled. And then it says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. We're to be younger, uh, well, Titus here is being told to be an example. Uh, We need examples, don't we? It's not easy to learn something, uh, learn a skill or learn a way of life just by reading a book and trying to figure it all out. We need an example. We need someone to come alongside us and show us how it's done. Um, this past week, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I, you heard about the injury that I had. Uh, I was um, trying to build a fence, and uh, I, I had the post hole driver on the post, and I was beating it down, and um, it slipped and hit me on the head. Well, one of the things I found as I was putting that fence together is it just kind of naturally, somehow I, I, I was able to do it without really even thinking all that much because when I was just a little kid, I was probably younger than Amanda, I used to help my dad build fences and I watched him. And even though I haven't helped anybody build a fence in probably more than 25 years, it just all came to me because I'd watched it done so many times. And it just came to me. We need an example. And so, uh, in godliness and in discipleship, we need an example. So Titus was to be an example in those things. Show yourself a model of good works. In your teaching, show integrity. Titus was to practice what he preached, basically. To be a model of, uh, to, to have integrity in his teaching. Dignity. Again, not someone who uh, would be looked down on and just uh, being childish or silly, but he, treating it with dignity, with weightiness. The Word of God, the Gospel, is, is a weighty thing. We ought not be frivolous about it. And sound speech that cannot be condemned. One of the things I I think about this is we got to stick to the Scripture. So easy to just go on our own and try to come up with our own ideas. 
but the way, the pattern of sound words that, that Paul talks about is when we stick with what the Scripture teaches and we don't waver from the right or to the left. So that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Oh, there will be opponents. In our world today, in the way our culture stands against us, whether it be uh, a secular feminism, whether it be uh, the fact that we stand up and say that marriage is to be between a man and a woman, it, it, things that were unthinkable 10, 20, 30 years ago are now normal in our culture. But we have to be unchanging and stand on the Word of God and people will accuse us. People will slander us. People will oppose us. But ultimately, all that is going to sound pretty silly one day. We, talk, we, we often hear about being on the wrong side of history. That... Uh, Believers that hold to a traditional stand, oh, we're just on the wrong side of history. Well, that's only the case if, uh, if, if you're looking at right now. But if you look at the big picture of history about the God who created the world, about the God who is Lord of history, He's told us the end. And those who slander us now will one day be embarrassed of what they have done. Then, in verse 9, he begins to talk about slaves. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of our God and save, of God our Savior. It would be, I think it would be wrong of me to try to jump from bond servants in Paul's day to, the, to employment today. I mean, it would lose something. We're talking about slavery here. And, and the New Testament, you know, it, it does not condone slavery, but it, at the same time it doesn't try to do anything against it either because it wasn't the purpose. We're getting the message out about Jesus. But it does some things that undercut it completely, like in the book of Philemon, where he calls uh, Onesimus a brother. It, it does things that undermine the institution of slavery. However, here... Paul tells slaves, people who in that culture were considered property of their masters, he tells them how they're to behave. He says they're to be submissive to their own masters in everything. It's kind of unbelievable, isn't it? He says that they're to be well-pleasing and not argumentative, not pilfering. What pilfering, like, like a... Picking up things at the office and filling your pocket and taking it home? Pilfering. Or milking the clock would be another way of pilfering. But showing all good faith. Why were slaves supposed to live like this? To have that kind of behavior? 
It wasn't for their own good, but it was for the sake of the gospel. Look at verse at the end of verse 10, it says, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Their behavior was to make the gospel beautiful. It was so that others would look at them and they would see they are people of good character and that the gospel becomes more beautiful due to their good works. Not that it actually becomes more beautiful. I think I misspoke there. But that people see it as more beautiful. A couple of things here. He says it's the doctrine of God our Savior. One of the things we can see from this is about the person of Jesus Christ. When we think about our Savior, we think about Jesus, the Son of God, don't we? And it says, God our Savior. I think we we can see in this text, uh, this, this is a little bit off the subject of what we've been talking about, but here is one place where it talks about how Jesus is fully God. He's talking about the doctrine of God, our Savior. And this last word, this our Savior, I think helps us to remember that this whole context, this this passage is in a context of grace. The false teachers we talked about last week, they were legalists. They were adding something to the gospel. And as we hear all these different Qualities, these different uh, behaviors that we're to strive for and to teach, it could almost seem to weigh us down with rules, doesn't it? It can almost seem to weigh us down with law. But we remember from this very last word in the passage, may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior, that we don't save ourselves. We need a Savior to do that. By our works, we could, even if we lived out everything it says in this passage, we could never save ourselves. We could never be good enough. We can't save ourselves by being a good example. We can't save ourselves by being self-controlled. We can't save ourselves by teaching a next generation. We can only be saved by looking to Jesus Christ and His blood that atoned for our sins. What we sang about. That was important because I don't want to leave us with just law. I have one more application. I'm not optimistic about um, programs and events to try to bring people in to the church. Um, there used to be a time when, when evangelistic strategy was, was a come and see approach. Come and see. We'll hold an event and we want people to come in and come and see. But we are living in a day where that, that doesn't seem to work the way it used to work. Where we need to be more and more about going and telling outside of the doors of the church building. And going and telling I think that is something that this passage fits very well with. One of the ways, one of the strategies that we can implement here 
I'm going to ask that each one of you pray, if you don't have somebody already, pray that God will give you someone to befriend. Someone that's younger to befriend, to share the gospel with. Maybe they don't, they don't have to be a Christian. Start off with just evangelism. Share the gospel with them. If they're already a believer, just befriend them and disciple them. Uh, build a relationship. You know, often we think about discipleship as if it's some kind of a program we do on Wednesday night or Sunday night or something like that. Discipleship cannot be microwaved. It cannot be mass-produced. Discipleship, biblical discipleship, is going to be one-on-one, life-on-life, just like Paul is telling Titus that it should be here in the church at Crete. The older men teaching the younger men. The older women teaching the younger women. So if you don't have somebody that you're walking along with, teaching to follow Jesus, my what I urge each of you to do is pray and look for opportunities. Look for someone that you can walk alongside. I'm not saying invite 16 people to church next week. What I'm asking is probably harder. What, what I'm asking will probably cost you more than just invite people to church next week, next week. It's pray that God will send you someone you can invest your life in. Just one person. Or if you're as a couple, one other couple to pour your life into and bring them here. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.